Tonight, Race Tech brings us from Factory Honda, Ken Roxon's mechanic, Jordan Troxel. What's up, Jordan? What's up, fellas? How you doing? Doing good, man. Glad to finally get you on here. Yeah, yeah, I've been trying for a while. Yeah, yeah, you've been busy, though. I mean, you know, there, there is a pro motocross series going on. You're a little busy. Yeah, yeah it's the, the norm. Uh, seems like uh, the weeks that you have off, um, I don't, and vice right, versa. Right. So glad we uh, finally connected. Yeah, me too, man. Um, so you've been wrenching for Kenny for a few years, but where how'd you get your start in the industry? I know you went to MMI and kind of got your foot in the door, I think, with Shay Bentley. Is, is that really what got this got it started? Um, yeah, I did go to MMI. I graduated there, uh, January of 2008. Um, it's funny, the Shea Bentley story comes in. It was that, uh, that Florida gold cup series or whatever they run, uh, winter, springtime. I was just a, a kid fresh out of school, getting ready to graduate. And, uh, I didn't want to, you know, do any dealership stuff. So I started going to those gold cup races on the weekend, just kind of selling myself for free and ended up running into Shea. <laughs> Uh, helped some of his kids out for a few weeks or a few months there while I was trying to get some other things sorted. And, um, yeah, I just had a couple weekends there in the motorhome with him. Uh, those are some, <laughs> some good stories to look back on during that time for sure. Yeah. I would imagine you probably get asked at least once every race, probably someone comes up to you, Hey man, how do I get to do what you get to do? And it really, it comes down to almost, you got to work your butt off for free for a while and get, get some connections. Yeah, I feel like uh, everybody has a different story, a different path. I, I feel like mine is one of the, I won't say the hardest, but as far as it, it's very linear, as far as, you know, starting from the bottom and, and just going around to those races and, and working on the weekends for free and handing out resumes. And um, those were the days where like Jimmy Dakotas and Justin Barsha were battling each other's amateurs. Yeah. Uh, Ian Treadle was uh, battling AC on 80s. So, I was there at those races, just, you know, handing resumes out and trying to get noticed. And, uh, eventually got in the hands of, um, Ronnie Goodwin's dad in Las Vegas and, um, ended up having a meeting with those guys. I was actually racing pit bikes kind of semi-professionally around that time also. So I was out there for mini moto and met, uh, Ronnie's dad, Ron, and ended up, um, being hired on the spot, ended up staying in Vegas for a couple of weeks. Everybody flew back and, um, man, just kind of started my career right there. To me, where you're at now, factory Honda, that's the pinnacle for a mechanic, for the technical side, for the, all the little cool things that you see on the factory Hondas. Like that's the ultimate. Was that your ultimate? Um, as a kid, yeah, you definitely, I wouldn't necessarily say it was factory Honda, but you definitely looked at, I mean, I came in that, that mid nineties era where MC and Skip Norfolk, the, the, the pairing and, and watching those guys on the TV. So factory Honda definitely had a lure, but I was a Cali kid growing up, obviously a KX 60 and KX 80 was a natural progression. So we had help from Kawasaki dealership. So I kind of always wanted to, you know, just be on a factory team, but you know, fast forward, you know, through a few years of amateur and privateer stuff, I just wanted to get on any team that had a good budget <laughs> sure. and where I could fly to the races and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that, kind of goes back to that linear progression thing where I just, you know, never dreamed of being on a team like this, but, um, if you just, you know, just go up the ladder step by step and, um, whether you call it fortunate or luck or hard work or whatever, found myself here. So the most interesting thing you said during that whole deal was you were racing pit bikes. <laughs> yeah. Your eyes raised a little bit. Yeah. TJ. yeah. So I, uh, I moved to central Florida, uh, 
uh-huh. uh, Orlando, actually, to go to school, like right at the height of uh, Orlando Water Sports Complex. So 2006. Yeah. Um, scene was real big down there. I had a um, back in Virginia, my hometown, I had a track and a big group of friends and we rode and I don't know, kind of as a teenager, you just always have one of those yeah. aspirations. I wanted to be a professional pit bike rider and a professional <laughs> mechanic. And, uh, the pit bike scene, like I said, it was, it was hot and heavy then. And I just showed up, ran some stock stuff, uh, started running some races, um, was able to compete with some of the guys like Chris Savage down there. Doug Sullivan rode for dump star. He's actually mm-hmm. probably my best buddy to this day still. Um, I remember the, the 156 CHP bike also, um, I ended up working at that track, the Orlando water sports complex pit bike track is kind of running the track. And, um, man, that was kind of the heyday of, of life really, (laughs) because I'd run the, run the track from like four to eight for the kids and pick them up. And then Doug and my buddies would come over and we would just kind of have a private pit bike session on one of the coolest tracks in the country for a few hours every night, just under the lights, just doing our thing. So Dude, but yeah, I ended up um, getting, there was a Swedish team. It was kind of a knockoff. Uh, it was called Pit Pro. Yep. Um, they they brought a couple bikes over and they wanted to get an American rider. They had this um, kid from Sweden, maybe. Uh, we ended up doing like a mini moto series up in New England with them. Um, you know, they kind of supported me there for a year before the whole scene went south. It's, uh, it's crazy to see like 15, almost 20 years later that there's this resurgence, this second surge of of the craze and it's just uh, it's awesome to see but i also kind of laugh and like you guys are 15 years behind the eight ball like this thing (laughs) already came and blew up and and died once you know being a a factory mechanic especially a guy of of kenny's caliber there's there's a lot of a lot of pressure on that and you know at at some point you essentially kind of you know kind of have his life in your hands in a certain way i just kind of want you to talk about the pride you take in your work and, and how serious you take, you know, the intricate details of doing that. I feel like it's one thing that I've always, you know, held real pride in. And, and I learned from uh, people at a young age. Um, I think I spent, spent six months with Naveen at Honda of Houston and around 2011 time. And uh, that was one of the things that he really uh, drove into me is it's always lasted with me. And I've always tried to teach it to some of the younger guys that I've tried to mentor throughout the years is that, it doesn't really matter what you have going on in your life, whether you're sick or you're stressed or you have emotional something going on at the house. Every day that you show up to work and you touch that motorcycle, every bolt that you touch, uh, you have someone's life in your hand. And that always kind of really stuck with me. And it's still at the forefront of any and everything I do on, on this motorcycle or anybody's motorcycle period. Um, you know, one mistake in the wrong spot is, you know, some really bad consequences. So, it's just, you know, it's always on the forefront of my mind and it's what I try to teach uh, young mechanics coming in or anybody that's kind of half-assing it or, or whatever. It's like, hey man, there's there's repercussions when things don't go well and we're all human and we all make mistakes. I think the biggest key is not to make the same one twice, learn from your errors, but uh, you definitely kind of, you have to hold your work to a high standard and think if you do that, kind of the rest should follow type of situation so at some point that has like you can only do so much of from what the company that you work for gives you so kind of kind of talk about how much factory honda kind of holds that same regard Uh, i think that's you know that's one of the and i'm probably kind of blind to it and spoiled in the sense that that's one thing uh, really good about a team like honda or maybe some of these other factories is um just the resources the the reliability the sustainability that 
the whole team or the parts package or whatever from Japan um, that we have access to and knowledge and things like that is it's all just, it's superior product across the board. And, um, you know, we, they've, you know, had 20, 30 years of trial and error before I ever showed up to this team. And so they know, you know, what works, what companies they can work with, uh, you know, where their part suppliers come from. Uh, they just have it figured out. And I think that's one of the, the nicest things about being a mechanic is you can kind of trust uh, the process around here. You can trust your seniors, um, things like that, that you're just, you know, there's not a, a guess here as far as um, product goes or anything like that, which, you know, really ties into helping me do my job to give the finished product to a rider. You've had a lot of different riders through the years. You, know, you can talk about Jesse Nelson, Tara Geiger, Cole Seeley, Christian Craig. Uh, and right now, obviously, with Kenny, have there, has there ever been a rider when you're out testing and they want you to change something and you, you say, okay, yeah, I changed it, and they say it's good, but you actually didn't change it or you know because you know it doesn't need to be changed? Um, as far as you know, trying to trick them on a change, yeah. I've never really done that. Um, sometimes... I would like to, <laughs> but, okay. um, okay. I don't know. There's kind of always that fear that if you, uh, if you change something without their knowledge or understanding and then something goes wrong, then you're kind of at fault. Yeah. So, uh, try to steer away from that, but each rider is different in their own way as, as far as what they're picky about. Some are, you know, picky about tires or levers and others don't care about that. And it's all about suspension and, Others, you know, focus way more on the motor and the delivery or, um, you know, their quirks and nuances on race day and their routine. So it's just kind of to each their own. Um, I think one of my traits or ability is to to learn that person and, and you know, just their cues, their um, personality cues, their mental cues. Try to be able to read them at all times, know when they're high, know when they're low, and uh, just be able to work around each person individually for that. Well, let's stick with that topic for just a second. Obviously, the last couple of years, Ken's been dealing with some things, you know, and from the outside, we don't necessarily know exactly what it is. He's tried to deal with some health issues and, you know, all the things going on. What is your relationship like with Ken? Are you somebody that you guys have a close enough relationship where you can have a little pep talk, have a little just, uh, you know, comforting talk? Or do you sort of stay away from that t side and just talk about bike stuff and race stuff only? Man, that's tough. I mean, we, I feel like we've done all and everything in between and yeah. more as, as far as conversation goes at times. Um, yes, he can be a mystery sometimes with what he has going on. And, uh, you know, I think it's a fine line sometimes where, uh, I have to, you know, be on race day, no matter what he has going on, we still kind of have a job to do and a purpose and why we're there. So there's times where I have to, you know, kind of look him in the eye and say, Hey man, I, I, I know there's some shit going on, but um, we're here to get a job done. So let's put our head down and do it. And then also there's times where, you know, we have bad days or we know bad days are there and you just kind of got to be supportive also. And, yeah. and you know, realize that um, even though the results not there and the struggle and I'm frustrated, maybe the team's frustrated. And like, you ultimately have to know that he is also like his frustration underneath the helmet when he's not feeling well or things aren't going great. Um, I don't know. There's kind of that line where you can see it in a person where it's like, this is a time to be stern or like, Hey, this, this guy is just struggling. So he just needs some support right now. 
Did it surprise you at all uh, this past weekend that kind of what was considered to be probably the hottest, humidest, most humid conditions that we've had this season? Did it kind of surprise you to see how strong he was at the end of the second moto? Um, honestly, nothing surprises me <laughs> with him. <laughs> I, did I did I expect it given the last you know six weeks of racing? No. Um, but that's what makes Kenny special is you just never know, you know, what day, you know, he wants to, to, you know, show up and do that or, or put it down or, or, you know, battle late into that moto. I was super proud of him for it. Even the first moto, I mean, he had to hold off a charge from Dungey in both motos and, um, it was a wild, the way the overalls were working, we were kind of in a really rough spot right there with, uh, you know, three or four laps to go in the second moto, uh, we had a chance to win it. Or if we got passed one more time, we would have got fourth. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm not surprised. Um, it just I think the key for all of us is just trying to to figure that out with him and with the team and the bike, and just be able to bring that every weekend. It's kind of funny to say oh. it that Dungy was fighting Roxon at the end of a moto. That's like yeah. that sounds like something seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, it really does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how do you like being on the road? I, I I believe I saw on your Instagram you're in, you're in a relationship. I don't know if you're married or have a girlfriend, but like is is being on the road on the weekends almost every weekend of the year? It seems like is that a difficult thing, or you still enjoy it? Oh, I go back and forth on it. <laughs> okay. um, I I still generally don't mind it as a whole. Um, yeah, I do have a girlfriend. She's great. Uh, she works from home. She actually used to do this. She was a PR uh, chick for KTM. Um, so she did a couple years on the road with me. So she knows how it goes and yeah. the routine and, and the flights and the early mornings and all that stuff. So she's super understanding there, which I'm really grateful for. Um, I don't, I still love racing and I love what I do. So, you know, I enjoy that part of it. However, um, you know, I was able to buy a house a couple of years ago. I have some good group of friends who like to go out on the boat every weekend. So, sometimes it's hard, you know, or, you know, they'll send me videos or pictures and I'll be across the country working 14 hour days and they're just drinking beer on the boat. So <laughs> yeah, that yeah. part kind of pulls at you and you're like, man, what if I, what if I was normal and I just <laughs> had weekends off and could do this, but I'm not quite there yet. If a position open, like something like Brian Kranz took, w- would that be ideal? Um, yeah, I'm kind of getting to that point in my career yeah. where I, I'm starting to consider those things. Look at that stuff. Um, still unsure, you know, you know what Kenny's doing with his contract right now. So we're waiting to figure that out. Uh, I think I will certainly be here for him. Okay. If he's, if he's here. Um, if not, I, you know, I'm maybe willing to explore one of those positions. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Okay. Supercross or motocross for you? For me, it's motocross. Uh, okay. I was wrong. A lot of, I was a wrong. Lot of people think different. Um, I think motocross because it's just the root of the sport. It's what I grew up doing. I mean, it's how we all started really supercross is great for the eyes and the glitz and glam and maybe the money, but outdoors it's twice as twice as hard on the rider. It's twice as much racing. It's twice as work for me. It's (laughs) twice as hard on the bike. It's twice as hard on the team. So to go and go to do one, one on a national, like you you got to be a bad dude on yeah. a motorcycle. And I feel like as a mechanic, as a team, you, you got to be badass too, because that doesn't just happen. We all work for years to be able to get in that position. 
So for it to come together on outdoor, I think that just means more to me. There's just more work put into it. I love it. It's not the answer I expected. And I, I like that. It was a surprise. So very, all right. I got one personality question. I asked this every once in a while for you before we let you go. This tells me what kind of person you are. When you hang your, your toilet paper roll, does the toilet paper go towards the back against the wall or does it come over the front like it's supposed to? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm a front guy. Okay. I feel like I feel like I argue with my girlfriend all the time. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if I argue just because I always want to put it opposite of however she does it or if I actually <laughs> prefer it. In the really front. care. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good answer. I enjoyed that. So cool. Jordan, man, thanks for taking some time. I know uh, listeners maybe didn't get to hear at the beginning. You're still at work. You're still building bikes and working till, for another hour or so. So thank you for your time and taking a break to talk to us. All right. Take care, guys. All right. See you, bud.